What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. Hey, hi, hello, everyone. Welcome to a back-to-back episode of the Hardwood Knox Podcast. We're bringing you this dead of the NBA offseason content, still pumping it out. I am Dan Favalli, joined by my about-to-be-super-shredded, jacked, swole co-host, Mo DeKeel. We are without Andrew Bailey today, but we will soldier on without him. Uh, we are going to do Southwest Division grades for the offseason, going to wrap up the Western Conference. Before we get there, though, just want to remind, implore, beg, plead with everyone, keep rating, reviewing, subscribing to us on iTunes, we can also be found wherever else you're getting your podcast, but iTunes is still the best way to just help us. Let us know that you're out there. Help us keep Mo and name brand no-show socks for his Sperry's or whatever. Uh, it takes 10 to 15 seconds out of your day. Search Hardwood Knox. Look, Mo didn't like that one, but still search Hardwood Knox on iTunes. Uh, give us a five-star rating. Leave a review if you have any feedback. Uh, and if you've done all that and if you subscribe, definitely help us get the word out. Recommend us. Steal people's phones. Subscribe us. Uh, subscribe them to us. They will thank you later. No doubt. Follow the pod on Twitter at Hardwood Knox. You can and should and better follow Mo on Twitter at Mo DeKeel underscore MBA. That's at M-O-D-A-K-H-I-L underscore MBA. I am at Dan Favalli, F-A-V-A-L-E. Andy is at Andrew D. Bailey, spelled as always exactly like it sounds. If you're not following the Blue Wire Podcast Network on Twitter, you should remedy that as well at Blue Wire Pods. And I might be a little bit biased because I am the one, one of the ones responsible for running that account. And not only will you get my NBA takes over there, but I am in baseball and NFL season. Dangerous times. Follow Blue Wire Pods at Blue Wire Pods. Last but certainly not least, today's show and every show this week was brought to you by Harry's. Go to harrys.com slash Blue Wire to get a free travel kit. You only have to pay shipping. It comes out to about $3. That's harrys.com slash blue wire. I am out of breath and already sweating. Mo, how are you doing? That was impressive. Besides the subtle shot you took at me and my Esprit's. Uh, uh, I, was... I wear Sperry's, so that, that's not a shot. I wore Sperry's at my wedding. <laughs> I, like that you, I just call them Esprit's. You call them Sperry's. You call them the right way. And I... I you just make up my own name. For I actually cut. I actually kind of like Sprees a little bit better. Yeah, yeah. It's just, just easy. It's just my way of doing things. It's like eh, I'm gonna call it this. Uh, <laughs> it's amazing how how I kind of do dumb things like that. No, I'm good though, man. I'm uh, I'm getting pumped. I'm going to uh, Orange Theory workout after this, so uh, we'll see. It's gonna be my first. I'll probably be crying like an old man on Twitter. Uh, not too long after that. So, um, but till then, I'm feeling great. <laughs> Are you gonna you're gonna take some before and after photos? So when you go in, just looking regular, and then coming out, maybe looking like, are you going for like the Rock? What, what can we expect you to look like in a couple months? Um, 
I just want to be a little skinnier. Uh, <laughs> That's no fun. <laughs> there will be no before or after photos. I'm not that type of guy. Uh, I'm not the mirror selfie type of dude or, or whatnot. So uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Dan. You're just not going to get any pictures of me. Oh, rats. That's all right. I'll just go my gym. All the picture like bathroom selfies is just just crazy. Kids today, oh. the youths. The youths. You, you youngins. We are here to talk about some actual hoops, though. We are on to the Southwest Division. Um, we are going in reverse record order, as always, which means that we are starting with the Dallas Mavericks. Some quick hits on them. Notable additions. Boban, Delon Wright, Isaiah Roby, Robbie, Seth Curry. Some notable exits. Devin Harris, Dirk Nowitzki, Kostas Atentacumpo, Salah Mejri, Trey Burke. Uh, and notable re-signings, which was a bulk of their offseason. Dorian Finney-Smith, Dwight Powell, J.J. Barrera, Kristaps Porzingis, one of my favorites, Maxi Kleba. And if I said notable additions twice, I meant notable exits for Devin Harris, Dirk, uh, may his career rest in peace, uh, Kostas, Asla, Mejri, and Trey Burke. Um, I gave them a B. Andy relayed his grades for us, and he gave them a, I don't know why I don't have it pulled up for him, apologize there, but Andy gave them a B also. Mo, what did you give the Mavericks? I give him an A. I mean, I don't think there was much more that could have been done. I think I, I think you can go that far too. It's still fairly distant from my B. I'm not going to critique the fact that they missed out on big name free agents. They might some people think it might have been a blessing in disguise that they actually didn't have wind up with a chance at Kemba Walker. I thought maybe they waited out the market a little bit too long when it seemed like they were kind of holding out hope for Danny Green. But you you re-signed guys who are good. I do think they might be a little bit big man heavy up front. Uh, who are their bigger forwards? You have Dorian Finney-Smith, but it's a little bit lighter after that, unless you think that Justin Jackson is is the guy. They just they had a solid offseason, and this is something that will be subject to revisionist history because what is that Porzingis deal? going to end up looking like five years 158.3 million I think it was smart to just give it to him because he was going to get the four-year max and so you might as well build that goodwill with the with the player yeah I think that's I honestly I thought it was a no-brainer I mean you're we're all very worried about the injury history there's no question about it but the high the upside behind all that is like you know when he's healthy he's pretty damn good so you want to kind of make sure you have that locked up and you want to keep the relationship going well with him we saw what happened with him and the Knicks and that was a very rocky relationship so you know I think that was smart I didn't I'm with you in the sense of you know I'm glad they didn't sign Kemba Walker I just didn't see didn't even feel like they were really in the the running for any of the big name free agents they always right I know wish they are but they're just not it's it's the way it goes for Dallas and I think they just did a good job I think the whole thing was you know the the one thing maybe that could have bounced their way was Danny Green but you know once Kawhi made his decision it made it pretty easy for Danny to go straight to LA so uh to the Lakers and not to the Clippers but I think that that was what it you know kind of how everything boiled down so I don't think there was much they could have done this summer that so that's kind of why they get an A is just they didn't cost themselves anything they signed the guys they had to kind of sign so I'm okay with everything they did they and they won 33 games last year and then Andy has a wins above replacement differential tracker for the offseason that includes every every NBA team the Mavericks come in at second in the league in war differential added 
and it's only behind the Los, uh, the Los Angeles Clippers. A big deal of that is you can count Porzingis kind of as a player added, which I think that he did rather than just a returnee. Uh, and he was dealing exclusively with players added and, and exits. And that's, you just kind of touched upon it before, as I alluded to, that's the big one. The Luka KP pairing seems like it's set up to really roll for years to come. But what does he look like after the ACL injury? I know those aren't the types of setbacks they were in the past. I always just get, I guess, weirded out a little bit or nervous when it's big men who suffer these injuries. Then also, KP's just dealt with a ton of injuries, mostly on the left side of his body for the course of his career. It's just, it, that doesn't, again, like you said, they needed to offer it, doesn't make it a bad deal. That's just going to be something that's very interesting to monitor. And even with Luca there, that might be the contract that sort of defines the next three to five years of, of, of their franchise. No, I think it's the whole ball game, really, because, you know, Luca's still under that rookie deal, like you said, and we're, we're in good shape. They're in good shape there. I'm going to refer to every team as we. Yeah, I was about to say, point. did you uh, become a Mavericks fan and not tell me? No, uh, although they do have my guy, Jalen Brunson, That's who right. I think is the key to, key to everything. Uh, I think the the pairing between Luca and Porzingis is going to be the most important thing, though. How those guys make it work, I think it's going to work well together. They're going to have to find ways to defend around them, you know, and I, I, I think that's going to be the key for them ultimately, obviously, besides the obvious of, you know, can Porzingis play an entire season of basketball? And, you know, those those are all the things that are going to matter that they're going to have to work with. I just I trust the Mavs. I just trust trust Rick Carlisle. I think, you know, he's a very underrated coach despite winning a championship. So I think they're on the right track and they just got to kind of build slowly. I know patience isn't always a Mark Cuban thing, but this might be the perfect time to be a little bit patient. See what you have with these two guys and then start building around them. They are not a playoff team yet though right no they might be frisky they might be fun but they're not a playoff team and certainly not in the west they're i i think too the last thing i'll say them i really liked bringing seth curry back i think that's going to end up being just and the delon right i just thought those were two really good under the the radar contracts for them yeah no i think those are i think the seth curry pickup was great i think that's a guy a lot of teams missed out on that he really could have helped. So I think those are all big, you know, smart moves that they've made. And plus, since they had the history with Curry, it all just made sense and made it super easy for them. We're moving on right along here. That was an easy team to do. The New Orleans Pelicans, a little bit more complex. Their notable additions include Brandon Ingram, Derek Favors, Jackson Hayes, JJ Redick, Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, uh, Marco Silva, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, a favorite of mine, Nicomelli, and Zion Williamson, some notable exits, Czech Diallo, Anthony Davis, Alfred Payton, Julius Randle, Solomon Hill, Stanley Johnson. Their one notable re-signing was Darius Miller. Before delivering the grades, it's, I'm just interested to see where you fall on this. Is Do you penalize them, or not penalize them, but how, how do you just view the Anthony Davis trade it's something a situation like people are going to look at and say well they lost anthony davis so they have to have a bad offseason i gave them an a andy also gave them an a though what did you give them i a plus 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 um i can't tell you how ecstatic i am that you're higher on their offseason than i am they nailed everything they possibly could i mean let's just run through everything they did they won and got probably the best 
the hottest name, at least, if, if not the best GM on the market and team president in David Griffin. Then he turned around and got Trajan Langdon, Swin Cash, got Aaron Nelson from the uh, Phoenix Suns from their training room to, to work on his medical staff. I mean, they've built a just on that alone. That's huge. Then he makes a trade for AD and he basically gets the Lakers to bargain against themselves, you know, and, and now has all of their draft picks basically for here till eternity, then flips the, the, the four pick with Atlanta. You know, I think they just, he just kind of continued to make moves. Then I don't know how shocked you were, but I was shocked when JJ Redick was the guy that was going to new Orleans at, on June 30th at six Oh one. Yep. You know, I was like, Oh wow. Cause it so wasn't back- money that wouldn't have been available to him elsewhere. No, not at all. And you know, so JJ's going to new Orleans. I mean, everything they've kind of done, Every every piece around them, the Derek Favors trade. I think all the moves they've made have all just been really smart. Now it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be fantastic next year, they're contenders or whatnot, but they are building a great group. You know, not just of young talent that they have, and and we're going to see how good some of these Laker kids are outside of the the Laker spotlight. And but, you know, they have good vets. I mean, I'm very excited for Drew Holiday to see what kind of season he has. I'm very excited. You know, this is, again, a good spot for J.J. Redick, good opportunity for these vets to kind of impress that knowledge of work ethic and things like that to these kids. And it's going to make it makes a huge difference. And then on top of all this, they drafted Zion when any other team would have turned Zion into the Messiah. Right. He's our savior. He's the guy that's going to save our franchise. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. It'd be a very, very much like the way Magic Johnson did when Lonzo Ball, you know, was drafted and they did the Laker press conference. You know, he's going to be that guy that he kind of just tempering the, the expectations going like, yo, the kid's 19 years old. Like all that weight to carry the franchise isn't on him. You know, now there are high expectations for him. We expect him to have a pretty good season, but it's not one of those things where he has to carry the entire city and everything with it right away off the bat. And I think that was just huge. I, I honestly, there, everything David Griffin did was uh, perfect. It's a it's a case study almost. And you have to give credit not just to Griffin, but you have to give cre- credit to Gail Benson, the owner, for her to actually go like, no, we're going to hand this to you. You go with it. This isn't the way it was had always been in New Orleans. This is kind of a, a, a new leaf being turned over, and they're putting a crap ton of money into this. They're building a whole thing there. So, I mean, I'm very excited for this team's future. That said, also, I don't think they're a playoff team. They're definitely a team that could be, like you said about the Mavericks, sort of frisky, though, out the gate, right? They're Well, they're going to be the funnest team to watch. They're going to be on everybody's league pass rankings. They're going to play a very fun style with Alvin Gentry. And, you know, maybe like if everything goes perfect, they can maybe sneak into the eight seed. But that would require a few guys, you know, a couple of teams having injuries ahead of them and stuff like that. But they'll they'll contend for spots. They'll win some games where you're like, damn, you weren't supposed to beat them. Uh, and they'll do those kinds of things. But I just don't think they're quite ready enough yet to, to be a playoff team. With you there, and I like that you pointed out Two things you pointed out, the, the Zion Williamson, just you know, them putting him in a position where he doesn't have to be there all, everything, all the time. I, 
is something I don't think we talk enough about. And then it's the same with the investments they made outside of the players themselves. When you're just looking at the front office, the, the, the facilities around them and, you know, the training staff and things like that. So that's, that's huge. Two things that really stood out to them, uh, that stood out to me for them though. It's so that Deandre Hunter trade, the U-turn, uh, Jordan bone. I think that pick became Deandre Hunter, a 2023 second round pick and Solomon Hill into Nikhil Walker, Nikhil Alexander Walker, Jackson Hayes, Silva, and then probably two second round picks from the Cavaliers since next year's first is just protected in a way that it won't convey and cap space. And if you just, this is a dumb way to dilute it down, but Solomon Hill is making $12.8 million next year. Now you're paying JJ Redick 13.5. If you just kind of look at that as what you did replacing that money with the other, they still could have done that without making the trade. It's just, it seems like another sort of stroke of, of bookkeeping genius getting Derek favors as well. That was really big time. And the other thing I'm saying this because it's a little bit of a, or it's a total may culpa on my part. It cannot be overstated how smart the Pelicans were to offload Davis before the draft. I had entertained the idea that if they let it leak into free agency, I wasn't saying they should, but I said that they sh- it should be on the table for them. There might be teams that get more desperate and you're dealing with bidders outside of the Knicks or just the Lakers. But then you look at what happens in free agency, where Paul George, the poster child for, for teams that come out of the woodwork, acquire a guy who didn't have them on his preferred destination, and then keep him. And then also Kawhi Leonard, who won a championship in Toronto. And I won't say the expectation was, but the hope was certainly that maybe he stays. Both of them left for the same team. Anthony Davis's value after that would have been absolutely nuked and torched. And they were in a position, you already talked about this, where it could have been hurt a little bit already because by the end, the Lakers were essentially bidding against themselves. And the Pelicans still got that massive haul, those future first-round pick commitments to where, hey, they've already drafted a potential cornerstone or two. That's how high I am on Nikhil Alexander-Walker. But you can draft another one, or you could be the team that goes out and trades for the next superstar that becomes available. So this was just a masterclass in how to begin anew in New Orleans this summer. Yeah. I mean, he just, he, he nailed it in every, in every way, like just, you know, and, and let's be honest too, it very easily could go the other way, you know, one quick mistake or one misread of a situation and they're in a different sort of ball game and, and recovering from that. But it's just, I loved it because, you know, looking at Griff, you know, he kind of just came in with a plan and said like, yo, I got this. And he nailed it, man. I, I, you can't say enough about it. What I also think is just kind of funny. I know this, this number obviously isn't everything, but I like these uh, war differential rankings by Andy. The Pelicans finished 11th in the league this off season. And they actually added wins above replacement in a summer in which they lost Anthony Davis. That's just pretty incredible on his face. I mean, you just look at the amount of talent that they've added, though. Whatever your opinions are, Lonzo Ball can play. I think Ingram can play. They've added J.J. Redick. They've added Derek Favors. Just those four off the bat, you're like, damn. Then they added Zion Williamson. Like, it makes sense. I mean, as great as Anthony Davis is, you know, he's not better than five players. Like he's at at one, you know, I mean, like it's just the sum of the, the parts are great, you know, greater than Anthony Davis. So it's, 
it, they just nailed it, man. It's, uh, I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me say that word again, but I'm going to say it one more time. They fucking nailed it. The, my, my last question for you on this though, is there something to, not that they have too much talent, but does juggling the rotation become a little bit difficult? Because I think looking at their roster right now that you get to 12 deep without even thinking, and they're probably deeper than that. I think it becomes an issue, I think, in on older teams. I think in this situation, it's like competition. You know, going into training camp, like you guys got to compete for, and and fight for your positions and what you want to do. You know, there's, there's a guy waiting behind you if you're going to kind of sit there and BS a practice or not work hard for a week. You know, you can't get away with that here with us. And I think that's kind of going to be the mentality that they're going to have and carry. I think on older teams and veteran teams, that can be an issue. I think like, you know, JJ's not going there to, to be a, you know, 20 minute a game guy, you know, like he's going to get minutes, you know, you're, you need to, they need to see what Ingram can do. Cause he's going to be a restricted free agent. So you got to figure all that stuff out. So he's got to get minutes. There's going to be a run of guys that are going to have to get minutes. But I also think with the pace they're going to play, there's going to be a ton of minutes. Yeah, that's true too. I agree with you there on everything you just said. All right, guys, we've got an announcement to make. Blue Wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com slash bluewire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five-blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all of that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It is totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash bluewire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com slash bluewire to redeem your razor for only $3. That moves us on to the San Antonio Spurs. Oh no, excuse me. It moves us on to the, I forgot that the Spurs finished second. I apologize to Spurs fans. It brings us to the Memphis Grizzlies. They won 33 games last year also, just like the Pelicans and the Mavericks. Their notable additions include Andre Godala, Brandon Clark, DeAnthony Melton, Dwight Howard, who they still have not waived. I don't know if people are counting him as a free agent, but I haven't seen anything official about them waiving him yet. Grayson Allen, John Morant, Jay Crowder, Josh Jackson, Miles Plumley, Solomon Hill, Tyus Jones. Some notable exits include Avery Bradley, Chandler Parsons, CJ Miles, uh, DeLon Wright, Javon Carter, Joakim Noah, who is still a free agent, so technically they could bring him back, and Mike Conley. Notable re-signings. The only one I have for them is Jonas Valanciunas. And he gave the Memphis Grizzlies uh, for the offseason in A. I, too, gave them a high grade. It was a B plus. Mo, what did you end up giving them? Oh, I gave them a B plus. I, You know, let me just go to a B. But they, another team that did a great job in the off season, you know, they, is he the youngest GM, the guy they have in now? I can't even remember his name. I think so. I'm trying to think who would be younger. Cause it's, it can't be Presty anymore. Um, 
and it's not it's not even GM. All the names are thrown off, right? Because Chris Wallace is still the GM technically, is he not? Yeah, it's Zach Kleiman. I hope I said his last name right. And he's going to be the youngest because he's 30 years old. Whatever the title is, he, he he's the vice president of basketball operations. He's the guy making a lot of these moves. And they've done just a great job. It's funny you included Iguodala in the additions. I mean, you have to. But I'm like, he's not going to be there. Um, they got a first-round pick just for taking him, though. Spectacular. But, I mean, they did everything that you wanted the Knicks to do. We're going to take on your contract, but you're going to have to give us an asset, you know, and for every move they made, they got assets back for it, you know? And so it's like, look, they're going to be a young, fun team. They're not going to win a lot of games. And I say that with all due respect to my buddy, Taylor Jenkins, who's now the head coach there, but this is a great situation for him as well. This is a good opportunity for him to grow as a coach with this young team kind of at the same time. And I think that's going to be, I mean, something to really look at for the Grizz. It's going to be, it's not grit and grind anymore, but they got a lot of young talent in guys. You know, John Morant and Jaron Jackson are going to be really fun teaming up. I think they're just, again, they're good work as as a front office kind of putting this stuff together, building assets and building your kind of cupboard up. I mean, but they're not winning games either. And they, and they, And I would expect them almost to finish last in this division next year just because – one, the West is stacked, and two, I don't think they're they're that much better. Their young guys are still a couple of years away, but they're gonna you're gonna see flashes where we're gonna be like, oh, okay, I can kind of see where they're going. For sure, uh, excited, hopefully, to see Jaron Jackson Jr. be healthy for an entire year. I, I think you're right about them probably finishing last in this division. That's it. Just seems that's going to be the learning curve when you're dealing with uh, a rookie point guard with with Ja Morant. They just made a lot of shrewd moves, you know. Uh, getting moving up to get Brandon Clark in the draft. Uh, you know, they they turn around and they use Carter and then Kyle Corver, who they got in the Conley trade, to take on Josh Jackson, DeAnthony Melton, uh, and two second-round picks. Basically, one, because 2021 is just top. It's, like, protected through, I think, 36 through the 60th picks. Still, I'm not saying Josh Jackson is going to be a good NBA player. Chances are not great that he ends up being replacement level or better. But to take on someone who's only played two years in the NBA and then still get an interesting, albeit, you know, likes to gamble on defense, defender, DeAnthony Melton, another second-round pick, I just thought that was smart. The, the one thing that I do find, I don't know if it's concerning, but I think the two moves you can probably criticize the most are bringing in Tyus Jones for three years and $26.4 million, $23.9 million of which is guaranteed. They could have kept DeLon Wright a more versatile defender and better playmaker for similar money. And then you give Jonas Valanciunas three years and $45 million. I just think that's similarly debatable. I don't think it's a bad deal. He's 27. That doesn't perfectly fit within their timeline. Uh, His contract's not going to be an intriguing trade asset really for at least another year, if not two. I just found those moves a little bit curious. I know you have to field the team and it can't all just be these guys who haven't played before, but Tyus Jones hasn't really proven anything on offense throughout his career. And so maybe there's something to Memphis's two iffiest moves being their only major signings. I don't know, but that kind of seems like quibbling over split hairs. I, I thought all around just another team that like the Pelicans did a, did a really great job of starting over. Well, I I'll push back a little bit on the, the signings and, and your complaints on them, just in the pure fact of like, they're not going to be in I mean, maybe they're a playoff team in three years, but they're not going to be in the playoffs the next two years. 
kind of think we can agree on that, right? Barring something weird happening. Um, so, you know, the, the money you spend on Valanciunas, you're right. At some point, that becomes a trade asset, though, and that that helps you. The Tyus Jones thing, DeLon Wright, you know, that's apples for apples kind of thing. You know, may, there was something they didn't like in Wright that they liked in Jones. And even though it's a three-year deal and everything like that, we know they're not a free agent destination, so they're not signing anybody for 2021. So they don't have to worry about keeping their cap space kind of free in that sense. I think it's just an opportunity for them to take a look at a guy that they might just be higher on overall. So I don't think uh, those are real big things to to quibble about. I just think eh, is what it is, but it's just like, you know, four years from now, you know, if they make the playoffs, we're not even going to be worried about this. We're not going to think about how the Tyus Jones contract really set them back. <laughs> right. Those were just the two moves because I, I found reasons to question them. I, I, again, I know Tyus Jones is younger than DeLon Wright, but at similar money, I, I think just DeLon Wright would have been more interesting for this team. That's finally just looks like it can be a switchable beast on the defensive end. That's even those grit and grind teams that were defined on what they could do defensively. And I know Tony Allen was all over the place. They, it just didn't seem like they had the type of versatility, particularly in the front court that they have now. It was just those two contracts and the logic behind both of them. It was enough for me to keep them from, from giving them an A. Now we actually move on. To, oh, go ahead, Mo. Sorry. No, that's it. I'm good. I'm like, all right, cool. I was going to say fair enough. And if anyone's interested in, and they absolutely should be, in the Grizzlies' war differential, they ended up finishing 18th on the offseason in war differential there. It was basically a lateral move, uh, minus .03. That's, again, when you're starting over, uh, that's a, a pretty damn good job. The San Antonio Spurs, I have a feeling, I have a guess of what your grade's going to be, so I'm anxious to hear it. But some of their notable additions, uh, Damari Carroll, Keldon Johnson, Luka Samanich, uh, Quindary Weatherspoon, and Trey Lyles. Notable exits include Dante Cunningham, Davis Bertans, and Quincy Pondexter. Notable re-signings, I have them at Rudy Gay. Andy gave the Spurs a C for the offseason. I gave them a B-. minus. Mo, what did you give them? I gave them a C. I'm actually surprised it's not lower. Wow, really? Just based off what you did to the Timberwolves in the Northwest Division podcast. <laughs> well, the difference is the Timberwolves are not a playoff team. You know, the Spurs are going to be a playoff team, or at least they're going to be in the mix for the playoffs. It's not, it's not, they're not a lock to make the playoffs. I don't have the Wolves making the playoffs next year. I don't have them, you, you know, I have them kind of in that Dallas Pelicans thing. With the Spurs, they just kind of kept the status quo, they didn't do anything. Really great. Even if even if Marcus Morris had kept to his word and and stayed with them and didn't sign with the Knicks, still wouldn't have blown me away or anything like that. They're kind of just the same team. I think the biggest thing I'm watching for with them is what does Dejounte Murray look like? You know, I think we've spoken about it before. I think the they were very high on him going into last season, and then he tears his ACL. So, you know, is he going to make the leap that they think? I mean, they were. Very, very excited. And you never hear the Spurs talk about guys they're excited about. Like, they they just don't do it. So, um, I'm curious to see what they look like in that regard. But I just can't imagine them being a, a lock for the playoffs. I'm I'm not blown away. But comparing their stuff, their summer to the, the Wolves, it's, you know, they didn't have to do much. I felt like the Wolves had to do more. I felt like the Wolves had to go make something happen. Um you know, the Spurs won 12 more games than them. So 
I think that's kind of uh, telling in, in, in that respect. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to just hold steady with the C. I'm going to say firm but fair on the Timberwolves, the way you spun it. You were not on the podcast. You only had that one sentence snapshot of a justification. So anyone who might have been big mad at Mo, not that Andy and I hyped it up, which we certainly did. But uh, anyone oh, who was- <laughs> you, were, you were mad at me in the text chain. I was like, and it only validated me more, just so you know. To be fair, I called all of your ta- ta- uh, takes trash. So I was I was an equal opportunity jackass to you about your takes. The Timberwolves, when you spin it that way where you thought they just had to do more, I think that does make a little bit more sense. With the Spurs, that's interesting. And I, I, it doesn't sound like you sort of penalized them for this. But there are people that were kind of killing them for what happened with Marcus Morris. I'm... That whole situation, just from a legality standpoint, Marcus Morris didn't really do anything wrong. It was a verbal agreement. He didn't sign anything, so he can break it. I just don't know. I don't know how you like. What else were the Spurs supposed to do? Is it typical practice to be like, you know, they had to move Bertans and restructure the Carroll deal to make the Morris thing work? And there's no reason to think that he's not going to sign with you after he agrees to it. Did that factor into your grade at all, or did you like me just kind of cast that part of it aside? No, nah, I just let it go. I mean, there's, it, we're never going to know fully what happened. There was clearly some sort of uh, problem between the two sides where one side might not have been honest with the other. And I don't know which. I'm not trying to say, put anything on Morris either. Like, we don't know the whole story. So, with that said, I just couldn't, I didn't feel right about grading them positively or negatively because of that. But it's also one of those things where I don't think that move would have made that big. It won't make that big of a difference on what where they end up this season. I mostly agree. The thing I'm kind of interested in now, though, is if Trey Lyles doesn't end up panning out, you're kind of in this situation where you might need Lucas to manage to kind of play minutes as a rookie. I really like the Damari Carroll signing because the Spurs were really good uh, with Rudy Gay as as the four last year. And so Carroll's sort of not offensively, but one, the Spurs' offense, you know, people criticized their spacing. It wasn't a problem. They were fifth in offensive rating last year um, via cleaning the glass when they, you know, they filter out garbage time over there. So that's elite. It's the defense that's more of a problem. And I actually think the Spurs are at their best defensively when they're just a little bit more malleable in the half court. And I think Carroll kind of fits in with that mode, whether you're going to use him and Rudy Gay together or play one of them and, and have them be at the four. And the Spurs were actually really good defensively with Gay at the four. Uh, last year. They allowed under 108 points per 100 possessions per cleaning the glass through an almost 2,000 possession sample size. So I really like that pickup. Trey Lyles had a good year uh, off the bench for Denver in 2017-2018. Maybe he, I don't know if he helps you defensively at all. Maybe if you can get some minutes from him at the five, since that might be their most interesting point of, as my, my cell phone goes off during this, that might be one of the, just the more interesting spots uh, for for them when you look at having, yes, LaMarcage Aldridge and uh, Jacob Puddle, as we like to call him over yeah. here, but they're just, they don't have those fives after that. And so with Bertans gone, if Lyles doesn't play well, or are we at a point where you might see um, Luca get some immediate minutes, maybe more than we were expecting. And I am kind of intrigued to see, obviously, what Murray looks like. I want to see what Derek White looks like after sort of his breakout performance, not just uh, over the latter half of the regular season, but during the playoffs. And also if there's going to be a, a, a role for Lonnie Walker, you look at the rotation, it's still kind of short on wings. He's just not your traditional wing though. And, and a lot of what he brings offensively, they just 
already have enough of. And again, the concern isn't on offense for them as much as their shot selection or shot chart, whatever you want to call it, might be killed sometimes by NBA Twitter. And it's if he's not going to be able to defend at a higher level, um, is there even going to be that opportunity for him to get minutes as a, a sophomore next season? Yeah, I mean, those are all the questions, you. I mean, we're going to have to find out about. I mean, you unloaded the clip there. Uh, and you're right on all of it. So it's like, I have, I have nothing left to say. Um, but the, the one thing I just think with the Spurs is I'm just done counting them out. Right. I did it last year and you know, I did it last year and then I doubled down once I heard the Murray injury and I'm like, Oh, they're definitely not making the playoffs. And then those assholes make the playoffs. So you just, I'm not doubling down on them anymore. So I'm not betting against them. They're making the playoffs till they don't. And that's how I, that's how I'm going about it. That's why I'm having trouble predicting the West playoff pitcher because the last time I was burned, it was when it was when Duncan looked like he was old for a minute. I don't know if that was 2013 or whatever it was. And then I wrote them off soon after that. But they just and then they went on to win the championship or make the finals that year, whatever it was, and then still won a championship in uh, 2014, obviously. So I've just I've defaulted them as a playoff team every year, including last off season. Didn't feel great about it, but after seeing the job that they did last year to even just get Murray back and to add Carroll, that's to me, that just rates as huge upgrades for them. So I would pencil them in as a playoff team as well, which is why it becomes so hard to predict the West pitcher, because if you put the Lakers in there, you know, someone's got to come out from last year and the reflexive answer is the thunder. But what if Chris Paul stays a lot of elements there, the Spurs, uh, did rank 21st in war differential for the for the offseason, though. Our final team, before Mo gets to his Orange Theory class, which you're all pumped to hear about how it went on the next podcast, is none other than the Houston Rockets, winners of 53 games last year. Notable additions for them include, and not all of these are guaranteed contracts, by the way, should have pointed that out at the beginning of the pod, Anthony Bennett, Ben McLemore, uh, they have Chris Clemens, Deontay Davis, Michael Frazier, Russell Westbrook, uh, Shamori Pons, Tyson Chandler. Notable exits include Chris Paul, Amon Shumpert, Kenneth Reed, and Nene. All the latter three are all still free agents. Notable resignings include Austin Rivers, Daniel House, Gerald Green. I gave them a B minus, which was a wildly unpopular grade when it was published at Bleacher Report. And Andy gave them a B plus. Mo, what did you give them? Oh, I gave them a D. <laughs> unload the clip it's your turn now listen you've spent like the past two or three years waging a war against russell westbrook and him being inefficient you've talked about how much better your guy is and everything on top of that then you turn around and trade for russell westbrook like no 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 i don't i'm very skeptical on whether this can work i know everything they're saying, but I think everything is nice in the summertime when you say all sorts of things If we can make this work and we're going to, this is going to happen and we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And we've heard for like four years now, Russ is working on his spot up shooting and four it's like 14. It, I, did I miss, did I, miss I don't know, but it just feels <laughs> like I, I, I mean, we heard a ton about it last summer and they were super excited about it and it didn't pan out. And I'm, I, I'm very skeptical that these two guys who are, the most ball dominant guys we've had in the league over the past few years are going to be able to make it work. Cause I don't trust them to change. There's a way to make it work. I don't trust that they're going to do it. 
I don't trust Westbrook to cut a lot more. I expect him to kind of, when he's off the ball, to just kind of hang out, which then makes it more, uh, gives Harden less spacing than he's used to. I think the, yes, Russ is going to be playing with more spacing than he's ever played with when he's had the ball. I don't know how often he's going to have the ball to just go one-on-one or go off a pick and roll and go play. I don't know if that's going to make sense and how happy Harden's going to be to do that. And if it's going to work on Harden's end when he's off the ball, He's got to be willing to work off the ball, come off screens and make a few actions out of that. So I just don't I just don't buy it. I I'm sorry. Like, you know, it, they're probably going to win games just on sheer talent alone. But I don't think they got better. I don't think that trade made them better. I don't think any of the moves after that, like Tyson Chandler is a thousand years old. He had like one good week with the Lakers in November and then nobody cared after that. So I just don't I, I just don't buy anything they've done. And I think this was a bad decision in terms of a trade. Uh, I think we're going to really see some interesting things kind of come out of it. And I think the aftermath, if it goes as badly as I think, is going to be just as terrible. Who do you move if one of them wants, if if it goes terrible, who are you trading next summer? Well, I would think you would like to trade Russell Westbrook, but is he actually movable by that point? Right. Because it's not just a matter of how well did he play. It's if you're trying to move on from him after a year, that does something to his value in itself. Right. And he's got a huge contract. We, we've killed Chris Paul's contract for ages, but this is just as it ends up being just as bad if he has a terrible year this year. Then on top of it, then we have to start having the conversation about how hard is it to play with James Harden? Because Dwight Howard came as a free agent and he left. Uh, oh, yeah. Or, or got, he got traded. You have Chris Paul who, who, who orchestrated this to come to Houston and then they traded him. And then if they get Russell Westbrook and this goes bad, that's three, you know, high level players that when they came and when they arrived into Houston, that Harden hadn't been able to make it work with, you know, then you have to start questioning that. So I'm sorry, the trade didn't make sense for me. We talked about it on our emergency pod where I just thought this was a, a silly trade. And no matter how much I try to, look at it from Houston's side and how can they make it work? I just don't buy that these guys in their 10th, 11th year in the NBA are going to suddenly change who they are. You know, uh, Tiger doesn't change his stripes kind of thing. I just don't buy it. It's I share all those same sentiments. Me not being as hard as them probably comes down to I'm just hedging more against the talent there. Maybe it ends up working out. They want to play together. Uh, you know, Westbrook has earned all NBA honors in each of the past five years and his contract takes him through his age 34 season. So the argument is then Paul is 34 now and hasn't made one of the three All-NBA teams since 2015-2016. Maybe there's that individual talent upgrade there. Maybe it you've laid out how it could work. Will it work? And if it does, the big question is, and this is why I can't go any higher for them, I like them re-signing Daniel House. They really need just someone who can be close to positionless as a wing aside from PJ Tucker and their defense is going to be interesting to watch uh, next year as well with all the assistant coaching turnover. But what it comes down to for me is if it does work out, how much have they actually elevated their ceiling by? Because you can still argue, even if this had been a straight up swap, I don't think it would have been universally endorsed either. It's not just about the pick value they gave up. It is about the fit. And if it does fit, you know, Mo, how much better are the Rockets actually compared to last season? I mean, really, do you look at it and do, do you, which roster would you rather have? And assume this works out with Russell and, and Harden. You know, would you have the Lakers? Would you want the Lakers roster or Houston's? Would you want the Clippers over Houston? Would you, I mean, like, who, where are you saying 
this team's better. I'd rather have Denver than than Houston. Uh, I'm, you know, they're Utah right around Houston. Yeah, I mean, it's just you you look at that roster, and I just go like, man, it's not. They they better hope this works. Fourth because, in the West feels like their ceiling, even if it does, though. The three teams you laid out would be non-negotiable for me. Nuggets, Clippers, and Lakers would be the teams that I just can't see them being better than. And then they got to fight with the Jazz. And the thing is, too, is this is a tough West, and they have the most to have to figure out on the offensive. And you're right. I didn't even touch how bad they're going to be defensively. Um, but they have the most to figure out on the offensive end. And when you look at it in that sense, you know, if they start out slow, they might never recover. You know, if they, it's, it, I, I have my issues with this and, you know, I just think it's a, I think it was a bad trade. I think honestly, just Stan Pat, I really think if they didn't freak out after they lost to the Warriors and just kind of waited and let the whole thing kind of figure out, we'd be talking about them as contenders. We wouldn't be sitting there going like, oh, there's question marks. If they just stood Pat, didn't change a thing, kept all their assistant coaches, I would look around and go like, Man, they're going to be in the top three in the West. They're going to be fighting in that in that matchup. But you know, you bring in Westbrook, who's you're right, talent for talent, better than Chris Paul. Not a better fit for James Harden, plain and simple. So you know, I just I just think they shot themselves in the foot with panicking after they lost in the playoffs, and then blowing it now with what they're doing in the free agency and the the trade they made. Well, I hear you, agree with you. Everybody, keep the receipts. This has been our Southwest um, Report Card Podcast. The Western Conference is officially done, so be sure to check out the Northwest and Pacific Division Grades pods. Until next time, I leave you with a shout-out to the one and only Kyle Anderson. I'll do it this time against my better judgment, but a shout-out to Ben Udry as well on Andy Bailey's behalf. And Mo has someone that he might like to shout-out. We've already mentioned him earlier. My man, Jalen Brunson. You have a good one, brother.